So hello, everybody. Wasn't that a great worship set this morning? Too grateful for our worship team guiding us to praise our great God. If you are new with us, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And if we have not met yet, I would love to meet you. I'll be in the lobby after our service. And if you'll just come up and tell me that you're new, I'd love to welcome you to our church family and, and uh, just get to know you a little bit. If you're watching online, we're so glad that you've chosen to be with us today. We love having guests. We love having new people with us. Now, today we're beginning a new series, and as we begin that, I want to make an observation about our world that I think that you'll probably recognize as well, and here's the observation. We are living in a disposable world. Anybody recognize that? Anybody look around and kind of see that? Like, uh, we have so many disposable things out there, and some of these things are wonderful, so just think about some of the wonderful disposable things that we have. So we have disposable bags, we have disposable plates, cups, water bottles, razors, cameras, even watches. So I know those of you who have smart watches, you're jealous of my dumb watch. So I bought this watch at Walmart, and the batteries cost as much as the watch does. So guess what happens when it dies? It gets thrown away, and I buy a new watch. So I get to have several new watches a year, while you with uh, smart watches, you're stuck with the same watch. I apologize about that. Most of our homes have these sink disposals. Like in our kitchen sinks, we have these things where you throw food in there, your leftovers, and guess what? Flip the switch, it's gone in just a few moments. Hopefully you don't throw like a wedding ring in there because it probably will be gone as well. So we have these disposals that are in our kitchen sinks as well. Somebody came up with this amazing invention that I think my mom would have loved to have when I was an infant. They're called disposable diapers. Like, think back to pre-disposable diapers. Like, ooh, that's disgusting. You know, you have to deal with that. But then disposable diapers come out. And you just think about the, the glory of disposable diapers. You can benefit from them when you are young and when you are old. So they're, they're wonderful <laughs> gifts for all of us. Some people have this stuff called disposable income. I don't know what that is, but I, I hear it's great. Um, if you have that, um, let me know what that is. So everything today seems to be disposable. If something breaks, we just throw it away. We buy a new one. And some of our disposable products are great, but think about this. Our disposable products are developing in us a disposable mentality, and that mentality is causing us to throw some things away that we shouldn't, for example. For some people, work is disposable. And it's not that they don't need to work, but they should work. It's just that if work doesn't provide them the schedule they want, the promotions they want, the raises they want, when they want them, they throw work away. And they may not have work to follow that up with because they may have bills to pay, but they may not have a job, but they just feel like work is disposable. For other people, relationships today are disposable. So our world tells us today that we live in this cancel culture, and if you and I don't agree with each other about politics or social justice issues or whatever, if we don't agree with each other, we can just cancel our relationship. We can throw our relationship away. No matter how long we've had that relationship, we throw it away and we just kind of start over. So relationships today can be disposable. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't get new jobs because sometimes we should. I'm not saying we shouldn't get out of some toxic relationships because sometimes we should. I'm just saying sometimes we're throwing things away that we shouldn't. 
here's what that leads to. It leads to a dilemma, because what if the thing that breaks isn't a thing? What if it's us? What if we break? What do we do then? Are we disposable? Do we throw ourselves away? Some people do that. Some people throw themselves into a life of addiction or a life of withdrawal or a life of self-loathing or self-medication or looking for anything that will numb the pain of what they feel in their lives. So sometimes people feel like they are disposable. Some people go to the other extreme and they work so hard. And if you were to look at them, you'd say, man, that is a super successful person. But all their work, all the letters behind their name, all the money in their bank account is hiding the fact that they feel broken in their soul. And they're working so hard because they're like five years old and they keep hearing one of their parents say, you're not good enough. You're never going to make it. And so they work and they work and they work to hit that level of achievement, the next level of achievement. And for all of us, we say, wow, that person is so successful. But on the inside, they're driven by this fear of failure because they're broken. They're not good enough. Maybe you understand what that's like. Maybe you've experienced one of those things. Again, our disposable mentality is hurting us, I think, more than we realize. So I'm curious. Anybody here been broken before? Anybody? So look around. The whole lot of people who've been broken in life before. We can be broken by many things. We can be broken by failure or relationships or losses or abuse, by things that have been done to us, by things that we've done to ourselves, by life just in general, by some random act that, that seemed to happen. It was nobody's fault. It just happened. We can be broken by many things. I, I hope you don't mind me getting personal with you, um, but I'm going to get real vulnerable here for a minute. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. For those of you who didn't answer, I'm going to answer anyway. Okay. So about three and a half years ago, I was broken. Uh, at that time, uh, if you kind of think back three and a half years ago, uh, right before COVID happened, you might remember some of the things that were happening there. Our world was being torn apart politically, still kind of is. Our world was being torn apart racially, still kind of is. Uh, there was all kinds of tension in our world that I and our leadership team were trying to navigate our church through. And then along came this thing called COVID. It turned our worlds upside down. It forced all of us to live differently. It forced all of us to think differently and to have to make high-level decisions day after day after day with new variables all the time. It was a high-stress situation for all of us. And it led to some exhaustion for me. At that time, I had been in ministry for 20 years. And after 20 years of pushing and, and pushing harder and harder and dealing with all kinds of, of variables that were changing in the ministry world, uh, I found myself that I was just exhausted. And I fully identify with what Pastor Craig said in our last video series when he said that doing the work of ministry was killing the work that God was trying to do in him. I fully identify with that. Now, as I describe this, I'm not trying to look for sympathy or pity because I understand most people have no idea what pastors do. Like, I get it. Before I was a pastor, I had no idea what pastors do. So I'm just trying to tell you where I was back then. And back then, I was broken. I was so broken, our elders graciously gave me some time off. So my wife and I climbed in our car. We drove to a friend's cabin in Georgia 
where we stayed for several weeks, and I did as little as possible. I slept a lot, a lot. I read the Bible a lot. I read books on burnout a lot. I walked in the woods and stared at trees a lot. And I talked to God a lot. And my conversations went like this. God, why? God, why am I in this spot? God, I feel so broken, and I don't know how to fix myself. God, am I at the end of ministry for me? Is this the end of the road? Is, is there no more left in me for full-time ministry? God, why am I here? What has caused this? So God was gracious for several weeks. God just listened. He allowed me the space to vent. And then God began to speak. He began to speak back to me. And it was so encouraging, some of the things I was reading out of Scripture. Here's one of the things that I read out of Psalms. Out of Psalm 34, 18, this is one of my favorite verses in Psalms. Through King David, God says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. So guess what? If you're broken today, if you're brokenhearted, if you feel crushed by life, by something that's happened in your world, guess what? God doesn't sit at a distance. He's close to you. He wants to rescue you in those moments. And so that was encouraging to me. I just didn't know how God was going to do that. I was still broken. I was feeling crushed, but I didn't know how God was going to work. But then God began to speak more. And he started revealing some things that needed to be broken in me. And at the time, I was saying like, whoa, time out, God. Like, I'm broken. What else needs to be broken in me? And he began to whisper. And he began to point out some things. He said, Trent, you have issues. You have pride issues. You have ego issues. You have selfish issues, language issues, because I couldn't even say that word right there. It says you have sinful thought issues. You have sinful reaction issues to the stress of life. You have control issues, insecurity issues, anger issues. You have uh, work issues. You have workaholism issues because you work so hard because if you don't, you feel like a failure. That's why you're driven so much. Trent, you have a lot of issues. And as I was hearing that, I thought, you know what? I should do a series based upon my issues. And I'm wearing the t-shirt because I bought it. And last August, we did a whole series based on my issues because I have issues. issues. And guess what? So do you. <laughs> you have issues as well. We all have issues. And there are some things in our lives that need to be broken so that God can work on other things that are already broken in us. So I think that's why sometimes God allows us to be broken. It's so he can work on some other things. And so I wonder for you, what needs to be broken in you? Is it your pride? Is it your ego? Do you have selfishness issues? Do you have sinful thoughts, sinful reactions to life? Do you have control issues? Do you have fear issues? What about anger or hatred? unforgiveness or bitterness or failure issues? Do you, do you have any of those issues? What needs to be broken in you? We'll come back to that super fun question 
in just a minute. But, but listen to what needed to be broken in King David. So if you're not familiar with King David, if you've ever heard the story of David and Goliath, the little shepherd boy, that's the David we're talking about. And he became the second king of the nation of Israel. And he's described in the Bible as a man after God's own heart. But David had issues. He had several really big sin issues. Here's one of them. Being the king, David had multiple wives. He had multiple concubines. But one day when his army was off at war, he was taking a break. He woke up from a nap and he was walking across his palace on the rooftop and he looked out and he saw a woman on another rooftop taking a bath. And he thought, wow, she's beautiful. I have to have her. He told his servants to go get her. When they brought her back, he slept with her and he sent her home. When that woman sent a a message to him a short time later and said, "Uh, King David, I'm pregnant. So what David did was he asked for her husband, who was one of his trusted military leaders, to come home from battle so that he could try to get him drunk and send him home to his wife so he could try to hide his sin. But his trusted military official, even when he was drunk, had such integrity, he would not go home. He said, how can I do this? My men are off at war. I cannot do that. And so David had his trusted military leader, Uriah, murdered in battle. That's King David. King David had some issues. He ignored his sin until a prophet came along named Nathan and confronted him. And when David was confronted, he had an opportunity to do several different things. He could deny it. He could say, absolutely not. I've not done that. He could have had Nathan executed for confronting the king. Or he could have admitted his issues. He could have admitted his sin. He could have admitted his guilt. And thankfully, David confessed his sin before God. And this wasn't one of those flippant responses like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, what I did was wrong. Big deal. David didn't respond like that. This involved true broken repentance. And listen to what he said in Psalms 51 about his brokenness. He said, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, plot out the the stain of my sin. Wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night against you, and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. And then, and then in verse 16, he said, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. So the thing that needed to be broken in David was his pride and his selfishness. And God broke that through his horrible sin. David paid some natural consequences for his sin, but God forgave him and he later became known as a man after his own heart. So again, sometimes we need to be broken so that God can work on things inside of us that are already broken, things that are keeping us from becoming more like Jesus. And again, I ask, what is it in you that needs to be broken? 
What is it maybe that you're not recognizing? Maybe you're looking at this brokenness that you feel and maybe you're not seeing something else that really needs to be broken inside of you. One of the things that brokenness allows us to do is look within. Again, we can be broken by many different things. We can be broken by our sin, like David. We could be broken by somebody else's sin. We can be broken by health issues or money issues, relationship issues, you name it. We can be broken by it. But when we are broken by whatever the cause, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to look within and see what else might be broken, what else might need to be fixed. And again, you may not have caused your brokenness, but if we don't look within to see what else might be broken, guess what? will stay broken. And we just might start developing this victim mentality and we'll look out at the world and blame everybody else for everything that happens in our lives. I'm broken because of you, of what you did, of what that person, this thing happened, my boss, my spouse, my kid, whatever. We'll put the blame on everybody else and we'll never take the opportunity to look within and see maybe there's something in me that needs to be fixed. Maybe I didn't cause my brokenness, but maybe God will use it to fix something else in me. Now, I have a background in counseling, and I do not know a whole lot of people who love to take long, deep looks within themselves. Anybody admit that? Say, oh, I love it, love it. Sign me up, let's do it. Guess what? I don't like it. I don't like to take a long, deep look inside of who I am. Guess what? Guess why? Because I don't always like what I see in there. There's not great stuff in there. I see that I have issues. I see that I have things that that I have to work on. But here's the great thing about our God. He doesn't say to us, hey, like, you need to fix yourself before I'll help you. He doesn't say like, hey, you need to fix yourself before you ever come to me. He doesn't say that. Listen to what God says through The Old Testament prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 57, 15, he says, for this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy, this is what God says. I live in a high and holy place. And we say, yeah, like I get that. It feels like, God, you live in this place that's so removed and distant from where I am. But Isaiah continues and he says, but also with the one who is contrite, Contrite means remorseful and lowly in spirit. That means humble. And why does God live with us in those moments? Because he wants to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. So God doesn't just sit in heaven, you know, waiting for us to fix ourselves. He doesn't sit in heaven just judging us because we've broken our lives or allowed our lives to be broken and we're not looking within to fix what needs to be fixed. God doesn't do that. He moves closer to us in those moments. He steps towards us. Why? Because he wants to encourage us. He wants to revive us. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to repair our broken parts. I think that goes against everything that we think God does when we feel like we're broken by our sin, somebody else's sin, life in general, you name it. Ephesians 2, 8 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed I love that that verse and so many verses in scripture say, God saved you by his grace when you believed, not when you behaved. It wasn't a behavior thing. It was a belief thing. God saved you by his grace when you believed. 
and you can't take credit for this, it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. I don't know if you feel like a masterpiece or not, but you are God's masterpiece. You are, broken parts and all. You're God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. So to us, broken things are worthless. We throw them away, we buy something new. To God, he never throws broken people away. He never does. He loves us, we are so valuable to him. He loves to put our broken parts back together again, make us new people with a new purpose and new value. I'm curious, anybody familiar with the art called Kintsugi art? Anybody familiar with Kintsugi art? I'm looking for anybody who's gonna raise their hand. Nobody is raising their hand. This is a wonderful thing for me. Okay, one person raised their hand. So uh, this is fantastic. All right, so this is an example of Kintsugi art. Kintsugi art is a Japanese form of repairing pottery. So uh, if you've ever broken pottery before or broken something valuable at your home, like, what do you do? You know, you, you, you see it on the floor and you're thinking, like, what do I do with that? Like, I probably got to throw it away. It's all broken. There's no way to put that back together. But someone, an artist somewhere out of the Japanese culture decided, hey, what if we put that back together again? And what if instead of trying to hide the broken pieces, what if we highlighted the broken pieces? So this is an example of a broken kintsugi pot that has been put back together, a bowl. And what they do is they have this special glue that they put the broken pieces back together again, and then they take gold to highlight the broken parts. They're not trying to hide them. They're trying to highlight them. And guess what that form of artwork does? It makes this pottery more valuable than it was before. It has more value. And guess what? It makes it a unique piece of pottery because no pottery breaks in the exact same way anytime. So the beauty of that is whoever thought that up stole that from God. So that's God's idea. So that's how God works with us. He loves to take our broken parts and put us back together again, again, making us new people with new value and new purpose. And he isn't bothered by our weaknesses. He isn't bothered by our brokenness. He, he actually uses them to display his power at work within us. So one time the apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, tells us of this time that he begged God to take this broken part of his life away. And Paul said in this prayer, in this conversation with God, God replied in verse nine, uh, Paul said this, he said, each time God said, my grace is all you need, Paul. My power works best in weakness. And then Paul went on to say, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, or when I am broken, then I am strong. So God's power works best in our weakness or in our brokenness. Now, there's a really good chance that you on campus or you online or someone you know is broken. And you might wonder, like, how do I let God work on my broken parts? Like, how is that even possible? 
I think there are at least five things that God does to work on us. And so here's the first one. God works on our broken parts through this thing called repentance. David talked about that. God pays very close attention to, to our broken and repentant hearts when we approach him that way. So we need repentance to start a relationship with God. We need a repentance to admit our sin that's caused our brokenness in our relationship with God or our reaction to other people's sin that's caused our brokenness. So we need this thing called repentance to engage God at, at a deep level. And what does God do when we are broken and repentant? Does he sit in judgment over us and say, sucks to be you, you need to fix this? No, he steps closer, says, I see your brokenness. I'm gonna step in, I'm gonna help repair you. So if you're broken, do you have a repentant heart? Do you have a repentant heart about what caused your brokenness? Maybe you caused it, maybe you didn't. Do you have a repentant heart about your reaction to the, the brokenness that was forced on you? Do you have a repentant heart? If you do, God pays very close attention to that. He does not condemn you. He steps towards you to repair you and to revive you, to revi revive your spirit, encourage you. So God works in us through this thing called repentance. The, the second way I think God works through us is when we talk and we listen to God daily. So when we talk to God, that's, that's called prayer. So when we're talking to God, that, that's just the, this thing called prayer. And when God is speaking to us, if we could click that next slide for just a second, that'd be great. Um, God speaks to us in one of four ways. He speaks to us through the Bible, through prayer, through people, and through circumstances. So if you're wondering like, hey, how's God gonna ever speak to me? The primary way that God speaks to us is through the Bible. That's the primary way. If God's spoken through scripture, he's spoken. God will confirm that through prayer. He will confirm that through people and he will confirm that through circumstances. So if we're gonna let God work on us, guess what? We gotta learn how to talk to him and we gotta learn how to listen to him. And then we'll talk about the next part of that in just a second and why that's so valuable. But, but maybe you're at a spot where you say like, listen, I'm new to faith or I'm exploring faith. Like I have no idea how to pray. I have no idea how to read the Bible. That's okay. We've got some great resources for you. So if you'll just look at our spiritual growth challenge. So we have a spiritual growth challenge that's made available in our lobby. It's a one page document we make available each Sunday. Takes what we're learning on Sunday a little bit deeper and we've got some great resources on there. We've got resources on prayer and resources on how to read the Bible. If you're watching online, there's a link in the comment section that you can follow to get to our spiritual growth challenge. Now, if you need a Bible, we have Bibles at the back of each seating section. They're, they're free, they're free gift to you, paperback versions of the Bible. And if you're thinking, well, that's, like, like, that's old school. I don't use paper anymore. If you're a digital person, then great. I encourage you to download the YouVersion Bible app and look for the New Living Translation. When you download this app, you'll notice that there are all kinds of translations. And you may say, where do I start? There's so many. Can I recommend you start with a New Living Translation because of its reader friendliness? There are some other great translations out there, but we use the New Living Translation here to help people get started in how to read the Bible. So if you're in a spot where you're wondering, how do I learn how to pray? How do I learn how to read the Bible? Pick up our Spiritual Growth Challenge and do that. So God begins to work on us through this thing called repentance. And when we learn to talk and we learn to listen to him on a regular basis. And then the third way that God begins to work on our hearts is when we do what he tells us to do. 
Like, I know this is like earth-shattering information, isn't it? So when you're reading scripture and you come across a verse where God says, love God and love people, guess what? God begins to work on our hearts and repair us in who we are when we learn to do that, when we apply that to our lives, when we actually learn to love God, when we learn to love people and when we say back to God, but, but God, you don't know what they did to me. And God says, yes, I do. But you don't know how painful that was. Yes, I do. Well, God, it was, it was so bad. Like, I don't know that I can forgive them. Yes, you can. I've forgiven you. You can forgive them. So when we read things in scripture that God tells us to do and we do it, that's actually when some of that transformation happens. When God says, love people, and we love people. When God says, serve people, and we serve people. When God says, forgive someone who's hurt you, and we actually forgive someone who's hurt us. That's when God begins to repair the broken parts of our lives. So God works on us through repentance when we actually talk to him and listen to him on a daily basis when we do what he says. And then the fourth way is when we get help from others. You know, God never meant for us to do life alone. He designed us to do life with other people. And James chapter five, verse 16 says, pray for each other and confess your sins to each other that you may be healed. So there's this we thing that has to happen for us to be put back together in some of our broken parts. It's where we reach out to other people and say like, hey, I'm broken and I need help. Will you pray with me? Will you pray for me? Will you help me? Help me see some of the things that maybe I can't see about my own life, about my own brokenness. Will you speak into my life? We need each other for that. So if you're in a spot and you say, listen, I, I don't know who to turn to. I don't have anybody that I trust in my life that I can turn to that could give me that kind of advice and wisdom and counsel. Then I encourage you to stop by our care center before you leave today. We have a care table in our lobby. If you'll stop there, we have some amazing people there that would love to pray with you and help you any way that we can. If you need counseling, we can get that for you. We can sit with you. We can pray with you. We can just help you take a step towards that healing process that you desperately need. If you're watching online, just email us at care at theepicchurch.com, and we will help you no matter where, where you live. You live local, we'll help you. You live somewhere else, we'll try to help you get the resources that you need as well. So we need help from other people so that we can be put back together again. The fifth way I think that God works on our broken parts is when we help others. The amazing thing about helping others is God uses that to help us. And I'm just curious, does anybody here know anybody who's broken besides yourself? Anybody? All right, so here's what you could do. You're in the first service. If you know somebody and they live local, you could go get them and bring them back to the second service. You could go tell them about the service so that they could watch it online. You could tell them about this series. If you're watching online, you could uh, share this on social media and let other people know about this, about this series. Next week, we're going to talk about broken emotions. Then we're going to talk about broken relationships. Then we're going to talk about broken faith. Then we're going to talk about broken dreams. And I'm sure those subjects touch all of us. We've all experienced one of those broken parts of our lives. And I'm sure you know other people that are in that spot as well. So invite them to come be a part of it. That's one way we can help people in their brokenness. Another way is to get active in serving. So there is a card on your seat that looks like this. I encourage you to grab that for just a minute. If it's hard to read, that'll be okay because I'm gonna show you this card on the screen as well. So take a look at this card for just a minute. 
We've got a lot of serving opportunities here at Epic so that we can help broken people. You know, you might be one of those people who've come in today and you weren't thinking about going to church and you were maybe a little bit confused about a church meeting in a middle school thinking like, what is going on there? That's a little bit weird, but you came anyway. I meet people on a regular basis who are broken and they come and they sit here and they just hope that God will help them in some way. They have no idea how God's gonna help them. And then I watch how God starts to work. He works through maybe a, a word out of the songs that we are singing. Maybe he uses something out of the message that was delivered. Maybe he uses a friendly face out in the parking lot that helps them find a parking spot. Maybe it's somebody in our lobby that, that greets them and helps them find a, a seat here. Maybe it's one of our children's ministry workers that welcomes their kids in or our student ministry workers who welcome students in. Like we've got all kinds of opportunities to help broken people start being put back together again. And guess what? We need to serve because that's how God fixes us. So if you're active in serving here, thank you. Thank you for helping us fix broken people. If you haven't found a place to serve yet, like I invite you to do that. I encourage you to do that. I challenge you to do that. I double dog dare you to do it. I guarantee you, you will never regret it for all of eternity, getting active in a local church family to help someone be put back together by God. Again, there's all kinds of opportunities that you could serve. You could serve in our children's teams, our student teams, our connection team, production team, prep team, parking team, media team, worship team. There's all kinds of opportunities within each of those teams and beyond where you could be active. And so I'm asking you to help us do this. We have this exciting thing coming up in about five or six weeks. On September the 10th, we are going back to our third service. So pre-COVID, we were doing three services to service the people that were coming. And then COVID came along, kind of flipped that all upside down. And right now in two services, we have more people coming in two services than we had in three services. So the need has been here for a while. And we're at that spot of taking that step on September 10th. Guess what that creates? A lot of opportunities for us to step in and fill the voids that are there, fill the gaps that are there. And I invite you again, to step in and help us serve those who are gonna be coming to those three services. Our service times will be 8.45, 10.15, and 11.45. And that's gonna push all of us to a new spot. And so I encourage you to sign up for that. You can do that by just filling out the back of this card. You can fill out the back of this card. There's actually a QR code there you can click. It'll take you to some of those serving opportunities. And if you would, fill this card out, put your name, your, your phone number, your email address. And then in our lobby across the way, there's a table that says, get involved. And that's the spot where you can get involved. And I encourage you to just take this card over and uh, hand it to someone there. We've got some great volunteers and staff members who are there who are going to engage a conversation with you about how to help you find the right spot for you. And I know some people think like, hey, I'm, I'm afraid. Like, what if I get in the wrong serving spot? Like, I'll be stuck there forever. No, you won't. Why? Because if you're not good at it, we don't want you there. <laughs> we want you where you're gifted and you are gifted. You're valuable. God's placed something within you that needs to be shared with other people. We want to help you find that spot. So I ask you to sign up if you haven't signed up yet. If you're serving already, thank you. Uh, if you're not yet, I just encourage you 
to sign up to serve. There's a lot of ways that we can be active in helping other people, and God helps us as we do that. So I told you, three and a half years ago, I was broken. But as I have been repenting of my sin that causes my own brokenness, as I've been talking and listening to God on a daily basis, as I've been working hard to do the things that he's asking me to do, as I have been working hard to get help, inviting other people to speak into my life, as I have been helping other people, God has been gluing my broken parts back together again. And guess what? God will do the same thing for you. Why? Because you are so valuable to him. He doesn't throw broken people away. You may feel broken, but God can put you back together again. He has a special glue, and he has a special gold to highlight your broken parts. He's not afraid of your broken parts. He actually uses them to highlight his power at work within you. So if you're broken today, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for whatever caused your brokenness. But I want to remind you again, God can fix you. God can fix you if you'll just allow him to do that in your brokenness. Let him come in and begin the work on your life. Let him do that. He will put you back together again. So to help you remember how valuable you are to him, we have a parting gift for you. It's this little card. There should be a picture of this coming up on the screen here. So we put this card together for you to remind you of your value. It says, you are God's masterpiece, broken parts and all. And then it has Ephesians 2.10 at the bottom. So I encourage you, as you leave today, just grab this card and put it somewhere where it will remind you. So in those moments when you feel broken, you feel worthless, let God's word remind you. Yeah, you may be broken, but God loves you, broken parts and all. And he can put you back into his masterpiece if you will allow him to do that. So if you're watching online, just email us at info at theepicchurch.com and we will mail you a copy of this. This is a, a great little card that can change how we think about ourselves and how we think about our God. So thanks for being here today. We're gonna pray and then we're gonna sing a song about God using broken people and broken things. So if you would, let's pray together. God, I'm so grateful for the truth of what we've learned today. Lord, that even when we're broken, you don't throw us away. You never do that. Lord, what you're looking for us is that repentant heart. You're looking for us to talk to you and listen to you, to invite you into our lives, to, to fix the things that have been broken in us. Lord, you're looking for us to do what you ask us to do. And out of that relationship, you'll point out some things that we need to do. And there's a really good chance you'll point out some other things in us that need to be fixed because we've been broken in some other ways. Lord, you desire to put us back together again. And Lord, I pray that we would let you do that, that we would come to you. And Lord, it all starts with this thing called repentance. So Lord, I know in a crowd this size and, and with an audience online watching as well, I, I know that there just might be a few people here or a few people watching online that would say, you know, I've never started a relationship with God. Like I've never come to him through repentance. And, and if you're in that spot today, whether on campus or online, here's what I encourage you to do. Just have a, a quick conversation with God about that. Just tell him. Tell him, God, I, I'm broken. I need you to fix me. 
Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I believe that Jesus, you are that savior and you died so I can live eternally and so I can be repaired. I ask you to come into my heart as my personal Lord and savior and I will let you put me back together again. So I'm just curious, if, if you have prayed that prayer this morning for the first time, or if you are going to pray that prayer for the first time today, would you hold your hand up real high for just a second so I can see that? Just hold up. I see two hands. Thank you. Just hold your hand up. I appreciate that. So God, I'm so grateful for these people. Lord, you know that, that we are broken, and, and I'm so grateful that you don't say, well, you know, fix yourself. I'm grateful that you say, I will come fix you, but we have to come to you with a broken and repentant heart and say, Lord, I've, I've blown it. I need you. So Lord, you see these people who have responded today, and I'm grateful that you are stepping into their lives to be their personal Lord and Savior, and that you're going to teach them how to be put back together again by you. So Lord, use all of us, broken parts and all. We're so grateful that you don't throw us away that we are valuable to you. In Jesus' name we pray this, amen.